May 19th, four of the five Portland City Council seats will be decided, including the mayor's seat. Those vying for position four include incumbent Chloe Udaly, former Mayor Sam Adams, Keith Wilson, owner of Titan Freight Systems, former city employee Mingus Maps, and software developer Seth Woolley. Seth is a Northwest native, attended Willamette University, and his career has been focused on computer science, doing remote work for Silicon Valley startups in mapping software and scientific computing. Today, Seth Woolley is joining us on The Morning Show. Thanks for joining us, Seth. Thanks for having me. So what should our listeners know about you as a candidate? Yeah, um, well, I have, a, I have a strong emphasis. Uh, my, I have an extreme fascination with data, public record data, uh, using data to, as input. I've uh, built a lot of highly complex systems that uh, scale linearly and support millions of users and millions of queries per second in computers. And uh, we do everything with with an extreme emphasis on data. And uh, one of the things I've done in the past is looked at public records data uh, in two areas primarily. That's uh, pollution records, you know, air quality data, and then campaign finance information. Mm. And I've, I've done a lot of work trying to educate the public about both of those. And I think the city could do more uh, if it focuses more on data. Mm, interesting. So of all the ways that you can show up as an elected official, why are you running specifically for city council and city council position four? So uh, why specifically the city? Well, I think uh, other jurisdictions, the state and the county, uh, have been doing a lot more when it comes to looking at the polluter data and responding to the needs there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've visited the city, uh, spoken with the mayor and uh, other commissioners, and one of the problems I've seen is that there's been a lack of will to do anything about uh, air quality, for example, and government reform, uh, commissioner system reform, uh, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And there's a charter review commission coming up, and I would like to be on the council so I can appoint really government reform-minded people to that commission. So I think it's really important that we we actually look at the city as a place where we can make changes, and I think other jurisdictions have done better. Now, specifically for number four, uh, I think uh, the the other seats had a number of people that I that I thought were were leading on on these issues, and number four I didn't think had anybody in it yet that was focusing on those issues. And so, looking at these two issues that you just mentioned, clean air and um, sort of government systems, the city council structure, charter reform. Let's let's take them one at a time. With clean air, you just mentioned that there, there doesn't feel like there doesn't seem or it doesn't appear to be will to do anything around air quality. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Why do you think that is? Well, part of it is because I, I think they believe that it's the problem of other jurisdictions primarily. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lack of creativity around what they think Portland as a city can do about these issues. They would say, well, look, uh, the state's you know, responsible for DEQ and uh, uh, regulating trucks and things of that nature. Uh, but the, what's actually been happening is neighborhood associations and neighbors have been trying to deal directly with industrial polluters and with major diesel emitters 
and negotiating themselves. Now, normally the neighborhoods uh, aren't, they don't really have any jurisdiction over that matter, but they're the ones directly affected, so they're directly going and approaching these entities with basically no help from the city, even though they are uh, essentially city entities. And so uh, that's kind of alarming. Uh, why are they being abandoned? Uh, mm-hmm. Also, there are significant attacks on the neighborhood system as it stands, and there's a very combative relationship between the city and the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I think we need to do more to improve our neighborhoods. There are some weaknesses with neighborhood associations, inclusiveness, equity, and things of that nature. Uh, the city should be focusing a lot more on trying to improve that rather than attacking and dismantling. Mm. Now you founded the nonprofit Portland Clean Air. Tell us a little bit about that organization and some of your successes. Yeah, so uh, uh, a few years back before the bullseye, uh, the, the big news about bullseye mm-hmm. happened, uh, uh, a friend and I were, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time biking around the city and we would smell a lot of things and wonder well, where, where can we find out about what's going on in the city regarding air? And we could see this, the smoke stack emissions, too, even the stuff that we couldn't smell. Uh, I have a pretty extensive background in public record analysis, particularly with campaign finance reform. And so I started investigating and trying to figure that out. Uh, we both did. And so what we started to do was trying to figure out from DEQ data what the problem was. And I'd done a number of public records requests in the past, and when I went to DEQ, we basically got stonewalled. And so it took us over a year to get any data out of them. Mm. We did succeed uh, with a set of a lawsuit and uh, did get a whole bunch of data, but we had to do this really complicated means to get it. We had to go into their office and physically scan thousands of pages of documents using mm. volunteer labor because they wouldn't give us the, the digital original. Uh, they, they just made it really, really hard to get the data. And so uh, we took an auto document scanner on a bike trailer down to the office, uh, went into this tiny windowless room, and spent weeks scanning papers. And then I digitized them, put them online. And uh, since I have a history working with geospatial databases, I georeferenced everything and uh, made it so people, the neighbors could see where everything was. And uh, we're basically the, the first entity to really put the data, including the environmental reviews, <clears throat> online. And what, and then immediately after that, about a month after I'd got everything deployed, uh, the Portland Mercury uh, had published a big news article about the uh, arsenic and lead and cadmium uh, in, uh, in the air detected by moss uh, around the glass factories. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, I started working with uh, these industrial, uh, the affected neighbors of industrial polluters, not just bullseye, but uh, a whole list of them, because I, at this point I knew what they all were and what they were doing to a certain extent. Uh, uh, the data wasn't nearly as good as it should be, and that uh, state tried to fix that later with Clean Air Oregon. Um, but essentially... There was mostly prose in these documents because they didn't have the numbers themselves at the time either. And so we started organizing neighborhoods and neighborhood associations to go to start looking at these reports and then uh, hooking uh, people up with uh, experts that might help them understand what's actually in them and generating neighborhood-specific reports. And then we could go around distributing this to neighbors door-to-door. 
mm-hmm. in the streets. And uh, so we, that, that's basically the story of how that works. And what's the next phase of that work? So uh, what we started to do was directly negotiating with uh, uh, polluters. Mm-hmm. So we would go around and well, we'd inform the neighbors and we'd let the neighbors decide what they wanted to do because uh, I'm, I'm mostly interested in educating people. I come from a long uh, line of, of teachers, educators. Uh, my dad was a fourth grade elementary teacher and my mom a school secretary. My wife's a teacher now. Uh, many of my uh, siblings uh, or siblings' spouses are uh, teachers. And so I really wanted to inform people and then let them decide what they wanted to do about it. And so that, that was the, the next phase, was basically a big public uh, education campaign by going directly to neighbors. Mm. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about charter reform and go deeper on that. What's your vision for how the city charter should change our form of government? Yeah, so uh, uh, Portland is long known for uh, like 100 years about that there were problems with its form of government. The commissioner system is extremely rare. It's highly unusual. Uh, Because there haven't been a lot of minorities in Portland, there wasn't a federal push to actually change the district. Um, But uh, since the 30s, the the original city clubs, uh, going way back, uh, had, had been publishing reports uh, the same people that pushed for direct democracy in Oregon to make it one of the first to be direct democracy were also pushing to change its commissioner form of government. But over the years, it's failed over and over and over again to get reformed. It's just stuck. And uh, there are many reasons in the past why that may not have happened. But I think it's time we actually take a look at it. Ten years ago, uh, Mayor Tom Potter, well, over ten years ago, uh, created a uh, a system of charter review for the city of Portland. And in the first meeting, I approached them to try and get commissioner reform uh, in the first series of meetings. And there weren't a lot of uh, people appointed to that commission who were interested. Uh, There were just a handful. And so we made a subcommittee to start evaluating it. Uh, We didn't get anywhere because they they really, the, the people elected at that time 10 years ago had instructed everybody on the Charter Review Commission not to do any major changes, that they were just going to do housekeeping stuff and then maybe try to come up with a way to appoint better commissioners in the future. Uh, so they were really trying to make sure nothing major happened. And so it was really disappointing. Uh, the only person, or the, the main two people that were really interested in it are actually run, uh, uh, Joanne Hardesty was one, and the second person was, uh, ironically, this uh, Mark White, who's running for mayor, I believe, uh, who has basically doesn't raise any money and is probably not going to win, but he was on the Charter Review Commission at the time. Mm-hmm. And so this time around, what I'm hoping to see is that with Joanne on there and other commissioners who would be more inclined to have to look deeply at major system reform that we can have a process where we go to the community and ask, well, what do you like to see? Do, do we want to do districts? Do we want to have some sort of proportional representation system implemented? Do we want to make it so there's a separation between the legislative and the executive so we don't have commissioners running every bureau? Do we want to have a city manager? Now, you need to start asking questions of what the public wants because I think the public is starting to realize that uh, with a lot of candidates now pushing this issue uh, that maybe we should need to switch the system. 
And do you have a personal vision for which direction you think the city should go? Well, I, I uh, well, my personal vision uh, shouldn't be as important as as what the rest of the city wants. But uh, I have to the issue a lot. The issue a lot, and I think uh, we need to at least consider uh, some form of districts. Uh, I was on the redistricting task force as secretary's for the Secretary of State's office. Mm-hmm. So I've looked into district issues that does create some complications on its own, uh, but I think we can solve them, particularly because uh, I'm a spatial database expert and have worked with people who, is, who are familiar with the issues around uh, building uh, nice, high-quality lines. And uh, so we probably should do districts, uh, and I think we should also look at ways of ensuring we have a diversity of representation, even if they aren't in districts. So we might have more seats than the number of districts, and so we can use a proportional representation voting system, such as ranked ballot, so that people can put candidates in their order of preference. And if you get a split in the electorate, you can proportionally proportionally allocate people based on where, uh, like ideological differences, maybe there might be ethnic differences that, that cluster so with proportional representation, you can actually create, uh, you can take those clusters uh, as they get expressed in high ch- high preferences for candidates, and they will get uh, elected. And so you get a diversity of representation and not necessarily who has the majority. Mm. And that diversity then can go into council and start influencing policy and making sure you build consensus. And so if we have a better election system, you can actually get better results in the end because you don't just have groupthink in, in the city and people just worried about who the majority is. Mm. So you've given us some examples of your successes in the community, uh, being data-driven and informing neighbors and, and, and utilizing the Neighborhood Association infrastructure to get information out. What are other ways that you would translate your organizing experience, whether it's around fair elections or campaign finance, clean air, et cetera. How would you translate your organizing experience into getting things done at city council? Yeah, uh, well, not just uh, organizing experience, but also my uh, professional experience has been in geographic systems and logistic systems. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the city and how it works with TriMet and how it works with uh, transportation network companies and uh, transportation providers hasn't been as aggressive as they could be in trying to push for uh, you know, a cleaner, uh, you know, more like green uh, uh, climate change impacts and, and so on and so forth. And for example, like with, with TNCs such as Uber or Lyft, uh, they allow the ability, to, uh, the ability in the central core to do carpools, but the city hasn't really been uh, able to convince them to open up their carpool uh, geofence, the area in which they serve, uh, to a much wider area. They should be enabling carpools uh, to transit stops in uh, suburban areas outside the city of Portland. And and we can actually pressure them to do that because we we regulate them. Mm-hmm. And so we can, we can make uh, incentive systems to, to make it so that uh, for example, the the charge that we provide might be exempted for uh, these these pool trips way out, uh, and we might take some of that money and subsidize uh, carpool trips. That's just one example uh, of how you can you know, be more creative in trying to solve the problem. 
Tell us about the coalition of support that you've assembled in this race. Who are your supporters? So, my main supporters, uh, uh, it's just the public. So, uh, I've been, because of the new open and accountable election system, Mm -hmm. I've been able to not solicit any funds from, like, big donors. So, I, I don't really have anything, nothing in the city of Portland that is, uh, like above a hundred dollars, for example. So I've been I've been uh, soliciting fifty dollar donations, which matches the Oregon political tax credit, to then get the the six x match from the city of Portland. So I've just been doing direct outreach to the public, uh, but then the the COVID uh, coronavirus happened, and so my traditional organizing method, which is to go uh, directly into the streets and door to door hasn't worked very well. So I've been switching to do more uh, of a digital campaign, uh, texts and phones and things of that nature. So I haven't been using the traditional means that many Portland candidates use, which is you go to some sort of organization or nonprofit and you you try to curry their favor. Uh, I have been answering a number of questionnaires. Uh, Some of them do endorse, uh, but that hasn't been my focus. My focus has been on the, the direct uh, go to the public approach. Mm. And tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. So, is that some online town halls? Are you utilizing text more? Uh, so, so uh, I work remotely for Silicon Valley firms, and so I I do successfully mm. uh, uh, use digital means and uh, online platforms like Zoom and Hangouts, mm-hmm. uh, but. But my focus has been to, to go directly and to solicit feedback directly. Many of these, like uh, uh, digital forums uh, and town halls, are where you're just, uh, you know, sending. You're just broadcasting, and you're not really soliciting input. So I'm trying to use means that uh, we can have direct conversations with people, get direct feedback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had door hangers that went out for a while until we couldn't do that anymore. It directly had my email address. Uh, people can look up my regular phone number online. I really want to have that more direct interactions uh, in the, at regular intervals throughout the day rather than having these focused events where I just tell people what I really want. Uh, I think the public needs to say what they want, mm-hmm. and we need to be re- uh, reflecting that in the city. Yeah. So this is a this is a crowded race. What are the the questions or issues that you think should decide the race? Well, I, well, I think uh, a, a few things. Uh, uh, I think uh, how we actually work with the neighborhood associations is going to be key. You'll see mm-hmm. uh, a number of the candidates are talking about that. I think how we deal with transportation is going to be key. Having uh, someone who's worked in the industry uh, is is important. We have one. Uh, major non-publicly funded candidate that works as a uh, for trucking, for example, mm-hmm. uh, that's come up. Um, so those are the the main issues. I think this race is going to revolve around. Yeah. And if folks are looking at their ballot, they see your name. Why are you the best candidate? Why should they choose you? Well, uh, I, I think I'm the best candidate because I. I don't really like the, the legislative system we have now, and I want to make it so that uh, uh, so that I'm not the one that's the focus. I think it should be 
uh, an issue-based system where we we have more input into to directly what the issues are, and so it should be less about who the, the elected leaders are and more about what the issues are. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and and I also have a regular day job, and I'm not a professional politician. So, so unlike uh, a number of other uh, candidates, that's something different that I bring to the race is this this fact that I don't need the job. Uh, I'm not like looking for you know, a six-figure salary from the city, for example. Mm-hmm. So I can make my changes, and then after four years, I can I can hand it off hopefully better than how it was presented to me. As we start to wrap, Seth, what else do you want folks to know about you as a candidate? Well, I, I'm just really excited uh, to be in the race, and I'm also really uh, excited about all of the different people in the different races because of open and accountable elections and the fact that we worked on campaign finance reform and we've been holding people accountable to try and actually follow the law even as, as it's going through the courts. I think the quality of the candidates has already gone up dramatically. And so mm-hmm. I think I really want people to, to really look hard at who the candidates are, even though there may be a lot of them, and consider what, what do they really want to see from the city. And uh, vote how they feel and where and you know because we have a a stronger diversity of candidates i hope that people will be able to not just focus on who they think the major candidates will be and i think that's really exciting for me Mm. how can listeners best support your campaign well they can go to my website sethforportland.org and uh, uh, read about my background and uh, donate there's the 6x match they can talk to their friends online. Um, there's, of course, there's not much they can do in person these days. But uh, you know, the, the online organi- uh, online organizing is still a, a major thing. Excellent, Seth. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Again, that's Seth Woolley, the candidate for Portland City Council position four. You can find out more at sethforportland.org. The Oregon primary is scheduled for May nineteenth. Okay, a reminder that April 28th is the voter registration deadline in Oregon. Ballots are going to start hitting mailboxes April 22nd. 